aircrafts. Yeah, yeah, unfortunately. <laughs> oh, I don't sound like that. I, well, no, I know you love aircraft. So here's another uh, air crash story. But if you don't have one of them, controlled flight is impossible. Oh, my God. You know, when the pilot says, maybe I'll fly this upside down. Okay. It went from, from, <laughs> it went from 2,000 hours to nearly 10,000 hours. You can justify it, right, because it's within the rules. Every single one of those decisions made sense in isolation. But yeah. when you put them all together, uh, it was drift towards disaster. Welcome to Anecdotally Speaking, a podcast to help you build your business story repertoire. Hi, everyone. I'm Sean Callahan, And hey, everybody. I'm Mark Schenk. Well, we've got a story to be told. Mark, I believe you have something in the world of aircrafts. Yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, <laughs> oh, I don't yeah. sound like that. I, well, I, I no, know you uh, love aircrafts. I, I do. You know, I spent twenty years in the air force, so I'm you know, I'm a bit taken by aircraft and all things. But I also realised that um, we recently, um, a few months ago, uh, did a podcast episode on the the seven Boeing seven three seven Max debacle. disasters. Mm. <laughs> yeah, debacle, and. Yep. Uh, so here's another uh, air crash story, but like it's 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 one that I think's got some really good lessons for us, particularly about how it's easy to make decisions in isolation. And yep. uh, so, yeah, there's there's an aircraft that crashed. It was a commercial airliner, a McDonnell Douglas eighty MD eighty aircraft, very very widely used throughout the world. Yeah. And thirty uh, first uh, of January. Tw- uh, you know, in the year 2000, so just after the turn of the millennium. Yeah. This aircraft was uh, operated by Alaska Airlines, so it was Alaska 261. Um, it was flying from Mexico to Seattle via San Francisco, and it's on the, the first leg from Mexico to, to San Francisco, flying off the coast of California, and the pilots report a sudden loss of control of the tailplane. Now, the tailplane is... It's, it's you know, technically called the horizontal stabilizer, and it's the thing that helps that, that allows the aircraft's nose to move up and down. It's how right. you control, yeah. You know. And if you don't have one of them, controlled flight is impossible. But you right? could so, go, but you could go left and right. Yes, you could. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you could fly into the ground left or right. But, um, yep. Yeah, and so okay. yeah, and that's actually that's, that's good. So so it's. It, you know, it's called pitch. Moving the mm. aircraft up and down is pitch. Um, so they could still yaw, which is left and right, and they could still roll, which is, as the name implies, but they can't go, they couldn't control um, uh, up and down. Um, so uh, the pilots, uh, the aircraft eventually crashes into the ocean off the coast of California. Um, all, there was 83 passengers um, five crew, everyone was killed, and it took them months to, to you know, get the aircraft uh, pieces out of the ocean and and figure out what went wrong. And the what went wrong was that there is a very important piece of the aircraft called the jack screw that right. allows that uh, that tailplane to move up and down. And it had failed. It, it had first failed. Uh, like you know, in a oh, it failed in a major way, but it wasn't a complete failure. So what had happened was that um, the jack screw 
the the nut was threaded, so it just kind of slid up the jack screw to up to against the stopper, and so they were plunging downwards. Their pilots found that that you know that eventually they could fly the aircraft upside down, but then it failed completely. And anyway, imagine being the passengers uh, in that aircraft. Oh my god! When the pilot says, "Maybe I'll fly this upside down," I like that Denzel Washington movie. Yeah, Um, yeah. That that yeah, would no. that would be the freakiest. Oh my god, hard to imagine. Yeah. So the um, the, the investigation re- uh, reveals that it was a very common category of failure, which is mechanical failure caused by poor maintenance. Right. In essence, the jack screw had not been lubricated, and. That jack screw needed to be lubricated in order for it. You know, it's flight critical and undergoes a huge amount of friction and wear. And you know, without lubrication, bad things happen. As we as happened in this. Now, this is how, so critical. Yep, go on. I'm going to ask, how big is this jack screw? What oh, are yeah, we, jack what screw. are we talking about? Like, yep. Sure. Um, think of a pick handle, like a, a the handle mm-hmm. of a matic. Yep. Yeah, right. so about that size. It's pretty substantial. It's not a okay. It's not a little yeah, screw. Not something they use to hang up a picture in your house. Right. Um, okay. I'm getting it. Okay. Yeah, Good. Thank it's, you. It's a big bit of kit, um, and it's so critical that when it was first uh, released into service in the, the mid 1960s, the the manufacturer, uh, McDonnell Douglas. Their recommendation was that the jack screw needed to be lubricated every 300 to 350 hours. Now, over time, decisions were made that increased that maintenance interval. Now, and there's a good reason for that, right? If you need to lubricate that that part every 300 flight hours, you know, like if you're running an airline, that's every two weeks, right? Yeah. And so uh, they, you know, they got approvals to extend the that that lubrication interval so that it would fit with their maintenance schedules right so you know you do a, an a service which is a minor service very regularly you do a b service which is an intermediate level service less frequently and then a c service is a major overhaul and you do that every couple of years right so they just spread the stuff through this anyway over the course of the next so like i don't know was it nearly 35 years right the maintenance interval for lubricating that jack screw went from 300 hours to, uh, what was it, to 2,550 hours. Wow. So 300 to 2,550, nearly an order of magnitude. Yeah. Uh, increase in the maintenance interval for that. Now, every single decision that increased the maintenance interval in, in isolation could be justified and approved. And and by the way, that 2,550 hours, that was approved by both the manufacturer and the FAA, right? So it's not like Alaska did anything wrong in, in this. And probably so, up to that point, they hadn't had any problems with their jet yeah, screws. Yeah. Know? yeah. In fact, look, the, the other interesting sidebar to this was that a few years after the aircraft was introduced, McDonnell Douglas realised that that, is, you know, that part is so critical and it was wearing faster than they had expected. They introduced a new check. It was called an end play check. And that was meant to be done every every 2,000 flight hours. And it just measures the amount of play, which is a direct kind of... It measures the wear on the thread. And when the thread wear got to a certain point, you had to replace the part, right? 
Yeah, completely. Only difficulty is that that end play check underwent the same kind of process as the of increasing the, time. Yes, right. Yes. So okay. It went from from <laughs> it went from two thousand hours to nearly ten thousand hours. Oh my god! Right. So, um, and like weirdly, this is really sad. At the at the last major service that the end play check had been done on that aircraft, which is a couple of years, nearly not not quite two years before the crash, um, the 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 level of wear was at the maximum, right? So, um, uh, and yeah, they didn't change. So, it. yeah, they didn't change it. So uh. you could you could have the amount of uh, like, and but it's like you can justify it, right? Because it's within the rules. The allowable amount of wear was between 0.01 and 0.04 um, millimeters. Well, you know, I can't yeah. remember. And it was at 0.04, exactly 0.04. If it had been 0.041, no choice. You've got to throw it away, put a new one in. But it was 0.04. Anyway, you get the idea. That yeah. decision you could justify locally, right? Because yeah. it's with it's it is legally within limits. But of course, you know. Anyway, it's going to be a couple of more years before you do that check. Yeah. So, um, the one of the lessons from this that you know I look at and I go, "Wow, you know, like every single one of those decisions made sense in isolation, but yeah. when you put them all together, uh, it was drift towards disaster." And uh, this can happen so often in business. We make a decision today that seems quite, you know, we can justify that decision today, but it leads you towards a path where bad stuff's going to happen. So, uh, you know, just a a, a very useful uh, illustration that, yes, you might be able to justify this decision, decision today, but you need to look at the long term as well. What's the big picture? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, uh, yeah, you sort of see it play out in all sorts of ways. You see it play out in things getting more and more complex in an organization right you know because almost like oh we have to stop that happening and this happening and they add this rule and that rule next thing you think it's all it's a little bit different to what you're talking about you're talking about this idea of um you know checking not getting slack i suppose is the 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 underline for this you know yeah keep 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 up that level of um you know sort of focus on making sure it's working properly now, I, I, I think it is relevant to what you were saying there about you know having you know something happens in an organisation, introduce a new rule, and you mm. think, oh yeah, that's. Uh, but humans are such complex, you know, we're so, so complex that every time you introduce a new rule, you change, you know, behaviours potentially change. I remember sitting in a in a, uh, a, a leadership program where mm. we were looking at the culture of an organisation, a whole bunch of stories, you know, examples. Yeah. Uh, on the walls so like it was 50 odd examples 25 good ones 25 bad ones 25 examples of things we, we want to stop 25 examples of things we want to see more of and you immerse all the leaders in the uh in in the stories they read them they you know they figure out what's going on and then i asked the question which is what did you notice and there was one particular leader who did not engage in the conversation a really senior guy yeah. did not engage in the conversation and i was gonna you know like i'm looking i'm gonna i have to call this like, because he's really having an impact on people's engagement in this because he's totally not focused on the conversation. He's just swiveling his chair around, looking at the wall, you know, at all the anecdotes on the wall. And I'm thinking, oh, okay, Mark, <laughs> call him. 
senior guy in the room. Yeah. But then he he turned around and he said, so Mark, that's a great question. What did you notice? And I'll tell you what I noticed. I noticed a whole bunch of terrific examples where principles and values have been well applied. And I see a whole bunch of really bad examples where rules have been applied. And just I'm just sitting here thinking, man, we've got so many rules causing bad behavior. We need more principles and values that help guide good behavior. And you were happy you didn't intervene then. <laughs> I was very happy that I didn't. Listen, you. Yeah. Speak up now. Yeah. No, it's oh, incredibly yeah. insightful. But, yeah. 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 I love it. I love it. How would a, like a, a value, so, you know, that the jack screw maintenance is really a, a rule-based thing. Yeah. How do you change that to be more of a principle or value-based thing? And would that make a difference? There is a, some things are actually more useful to be rule-based. Uh, well, uh, yeah, safety is our top priority. Right. Would be, a, a, you know, like, and if you followed that, then you would look at the that that end play test result of 0. 0.04 and yes. you go, can't have that. No. Safety is our first priority. We're replacing that jack screw now. That aircraft's not going anywhere yeah. until that jack screw is right. But it, it, it wasn't the value. The value was efficiency and yes. cost saving. Yes, that's so interesting. And so, according to the rule, they could get they could make that decision. So, I remember doing some work for uh, one of the big food manufacturers, and we were up in Singapore working with them on their strategy story. And this, uh, just thinking about safety, a safety value or a safety mindset. So, this uh, fellow was from Scandinavia, but he was uh, visiting a plant in in. Um, in Asia Pacific and he was walking through this plant and there was a valve that let off steam at pressure uh, that was more or less head height as you walked through this particular factory. And you know, they had really dangerous gases and stuff like that into these massive tanks and whatnot. And uh, he immediately saw that and he went, actually, this is a danger. If this goes off while someone's walking past it, you know, it's more or less steam right into your head. And so he um, more or less made the call, and he's not the top-level guy, made the call to close down the plant, right? Anyway, he thought for sure this was like a career-defining moment. moment, yeah. <laughs> and... Um, the, he, he, he did talk to his manager first, and his manager said, "Yep." So anyway, the head of stra- uh, the head of safety uh, got in contact with him immediately and said, "You've done the right thing." And then the CEO got in contact with him, "You've done the right thing," and uh, they fixed it up, and it was you know a safer plan. So I mean, there's an organisation that really is acting in that value based approach to these types of maintenance issues. Um, but it's interesting how a comp- company like an aircraft company, which you would think, or, you know, like a commercial airline, uh, has, you know, lost that. And you sort of, we've seen it. This is a pattern, isn't it? When a new owner comes in often and, you mm-hmm. know, they're trying to wring a little bit more profit out of the out of the system. And, uh, you know, I've got a feeling we're, get, we're seeing a little bit of this happening in our carrier of Qantas at the moment, you know, where they're outsourcing you know, all of this 
sort of um, activity around maintenance. Who knows exactly what's going on? But as an outsider's perspective, you get a bit of a feel for, that might be happening. Anyway, yeah, and uh, just hope not. Yeah, if this is happening in an airline industry where the results are catastrophic, like yeah. they're horrific and catastrophic, you know, if you get it wrong, in in much less high stakes places in companies where it's not so when things go bad it's not so visible yeah um oh not so visible publicly perhaps um but it's so much easier to yeah. justify decisions that uh, that that aren't in accordance with your with your values or you know you do the easy thing rather than the right thing yeah now let's go back to the story right well i mean in telling that story you know, and I can tell it's right down your interest area. There's lots of detail you can tell. Like not many people would be able to say, you know, um, well, you know, have an A service and a B service and a C service, you know, like, no, you have to be in that world to understand that. But what did you like in telling of in that story? What's What are the things that really excite you in, as when you recount? Oh, nothing excites course. me about the story. <laughs> yeah, excitement, right, the right word. Not <laughs> Devastating story, but yes. Yeah. Well, look, the, I can just the the, the picturing a you know, mental picture of that jack screw failing and the horizontal stabilizer, um, the, the tailplane, just flapping about like in the breeze, um, yeah. uncontrolled. But you know, like that's very vivid for me, right? So yes, yeah, yeah. Uh, but again, that's that's because that world is very familiar to me. Mm. Do you know how long they are in the air uh, with that problem? Like uh, the, lo- the, the time between kind of the first indications, it was a few minutes. Oh, only a few minutes, right? I was just wondering whether the you know the crew were battling against that problem. Oh, they trying, and, but yeah. but they only had a few minutes to battle. Yeah, I did. I, I don't know whether I mentioned, but they ended up uh, figuring out that by flying the aircraft upside down. They could they regained a measure of yeah I mentioned that because it was um, yes uh, they 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 embraced that in the 2014 Denzel Washington movie called Flight. Now it's a, very loosely based, right? Very loosely, yeah. Because when very I saw loosely. when I saw the movie, I went, yeah, right. This is not happening. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. particularly the bit where he crashes in the field and most yeah most Everyone people survive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I've so yeah, it's it's. I think it's you know it's a life and death story, so you know that is definitely um, compelling uh, in, in listening to it. Um, and you know it's a story of greed. It's a story of you know I don't know, I don't know. There's a whole bunch of missed opportunities for the maintenance of these this that that aircraft. Um, I think, and, and the and the flying upside down. I mean that's that's a uh, you know, something that stands out as very unusual. I think it's good to actually be able to, I like your matic um, description of the jack. Gave me a, like a, when I first heard the idea of a jack screw, I had no idea how big this thing was, you know. Um, was it a little screw? Was it, you know, I knew it couldn't have been a little screw, but I didn't know, okay, what is the size of this thing? So that was good. That helped. Yeah, it's a big, heavy, very strong. Mm. That's right. Um, so yeah, I think that all those, all those things, you know, sort of give us a, a good story to tell. Um, and in terms of, I guess, you know, telling it, you know, like things that could make it even better. Um, 
I wonder in some ways whether knowing too much actually makes for a more complex telling of that. Um, I, I, I think I'm just, absolutely it does. Yeah. Absolutely. Because yeah. I, I was sort of thinking of the pub version of that story, right? You know, oh, did you hear about the, the flight that, uh, you know, sort of ditched into the water. Everyone, everyone died. Eighty-eight people died, um, but it was, you know, the you know, they lost control because of just this one screw that wasn't ma- maintained. And uh, I don't know. I'm just wondering if there's a if you knew less, oh, it'd be the sort yeah. of story that you could tell in you know a few minutes. I think, uh, but you know. Well, it's it's always the case, you know. As soon as you know more, you 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 love telling them the, the mm. whole story. And as I as I think about it, the um this is probably a story that's more suited to making a major point, you know, kind of using it as a central part of a presentation rather than an anecdote that you might share yeah, just, uh, mm. in a meeting or yeah uh, in a you know at the pub. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Mm. And I the business I, point as well, you know, like is more suited to a more, I don't know. It's like, it's like a, a, a story you tell to a major project. Yeah. It's almost like a cautionary tale, especially if the project has a safety element to it. Right. And you're trying to get across to that project team. We can't just let things slide. We can't let it go from 300 flight hours to 2,000 flight hours. Um, even though, you know, on a day-to-day basis, it seems okay, you know. And and I think that additional story you told about the values and principles um, versus the rules, to me, that's, uh, uh, you know, that's a even, I don't know, it's as equally as good a story as the as the uh, flight story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you know Very what I mean? Yeah. Yep. Um, so, because I think that's at such an important point, isn't it? Trying to get people to move to the values and principles. Cool. Well, now, um, in terms of, uh, I mean, we sort of touched on how you would use this, right? But is there any other places that, you know, that you would imagine using that, that story? Well, I would, or picking up on the safety thing, there are many industries where safety is very important, you know, like uh, mining. Yeah. You know any kind of primary industry, so um, a very useful story in any of those circumstances where safety is a is a is a major concern. Yes. So, um, but I'm, I guess I'm just focusing on on a kind of a sector. Uh, the business point is really about um, about safety and making decisions based on principles rather than rules. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. Okay. Are we ready to give it a? Uh... A score? Yep. Are we at that point? I'm ready to ready to score. Ready to score. Well, I think the story uh, for me is a six out of ten. Okay. I think I need to be more I need to know more about that industry to be able to tell that story really well. Mind you, I'll give you eight out of ten for the values and principle versus <laughs> uh, you know, versus the rules story. I, You're I not can make imagine... me feel any better here. Oh, really? Oh, okay. 
<laughs> what do you reckon? What are you going to give it, Mark? Yeah, I'm going to give it a six as well. And uh, yeah, that's a that's functional story in a very specific application. But I can't imagine because one of the you know, the the things that we d- decide the score on is the you know its utility. You know how how easy how, how often are you going to tell how it? often yep. you're going to tell it and and I probably wouldn't tell this one that often. Although I definitely going to have it in my story bank. And uh, I'll be flinging it. I'll fl- flinging it. <laughs> I'll, I'll be anyone. You know, I know a bunch of people who who are in the safety world, and I'll uh, I'll ping this uh, this episode of the podcast to them, um, just so that they've got a, yet another um, uh, story in their uh, in their kit bag yeah. to use to illustrate some of the, the key points around safety. Mm, nice one. Very good. Well, thanks everyone for listening in to uh, anecdotally speaking. And, yeah, tune in next week where we have another story for you, another episode on how to put your stories to work. Bye for now. Anecdotally Speaking was engineered by Dave Stokes from Author to Audio.